Welcome to the Urbanism Speakeasy, the podcast focused on human-scale design, planning, design, and engineering issues that impact all of us, discussed in plain English. No degrees or silver spoon pedigree required. Now, here's your host, Andy Baino. Mode Shift is an online hub for people ready to make Michigan communities more walkable, bikeable, and livable. But hey, what works in Michigan might work for you. David Sands is here to talk about transportation advocacy and some related issues, basically how to get people motivated to improve their communities. David's a journalist who spent a while writing for Huffington Post in Detroit, and now he's writing for Mode Shift, which, like I said, is based in Michigan, but it's the internet, so David, your words are everywhere. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. If we're playing word association, you say Detroit, I'm going to say cars. I know, David, you, not only you, but everybody around you in Michigan, you're still dealing with widening projects like the rest of America. Um, The Interstate 75 project comes to mind. So what's the mood in Michigan for a fundamental shift in transportation policy, something that is other than the typical make bigger highways everywhere. Okay, so I'm sure you've, you've heard our name. We're the Motor City, right? So we have a proud tradition of cars and uh, 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 vehicles and you know stuff with wheels and motors driving around. Um, if you come to D- Detroit, the, the city itself, big, big lanes of, of, of highways and, uh, and big thoroughfares. Um, so yeah, we're the Motor City. Um, and yeah, like you said, bunch of freeway widening projects going on here i-75 but also i-94 um and at the same time there's this burgeoning bike culture and and some projects happening in cities so there's this tension here uh sort of between the state i mean state agency mdot and the suburbs the suburban communities and the the further out communities in southeast michigan that are away from detroit very very car centered okay um and in some ways that makes sense because that's how, you know, that's how the, the area is. Not a very good regional transportation network here. And, and a lot of people drive very, very far to get to their jobs and stuff like that, and they use cars. So there isn't much infrastructure for something different. At the same time, you know, you have a place like Detroit, city of Detroit, that in the last decade, maybe a little bit less than a decade, has really embraced uh, bikes and, and and walking projects. We have the DeQuinder Cut here, which is this. Uh, it's a. I don't know if you know what a rail trail is. It's a. It's a. It's a, a biking or walking trail that's built in an old rail. You know, rail bed, and, and that's a real sort of tourist attraction here that people use and ride all the time. Uh, last time I checked with the city, 170 miles of of bicycle bicycle lanes in the city and all kinds of projects. And then you have uh, nearby communities like Ferndale and a little bit north of there, Birmingham, along Woodward, that are, are working really hard to, you know, have more crossings for pedestrians, have bike lanes, have uh, have signage for bikes and, 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 and people walking to get around, uh, even have, like, colored lanes and stuff, and even protected lanes. There's projects, um, you know, an advocacy group along Woodward is working on protected lanes. So you have this tension there, um, but the regional, the regional sort of... Uh, governmental body semcog is still you know still votes for the the roads and the state is state although it has funds and stuff for alternative project their main focus is is still 
um, is still very much centered on on cars and you know moving people over long distances over highways. So we're in a period where there's there's some experimentalism going on and there's some tensions uh, and some regional tensions about how this is playing out. Um, and I guess it kind of remains to be seen as is if people on the street level really get behind this and start pushing like a lot of the millennials around here are very much into this you know and, and people in the, in, the, in the inner city you know use transportation so right now um, to kind of bring this together there's a, there just was a, a move by uh, the regional uh, transportation authority body to have a regional plan for transportation to, to add a bus rapid transit and a lot of other projects that would have transit there and I think that transit maybe could serve like a missing link you know, if we don't just talk about biking and walking, but talk about multimodal and where people can bike and walk, but also use, you know, buses and, and have actually a functional transportation network um, to get to places, then I think it becomes a lot more appealing to people maybe a little further out. So that's, I guess that's the situation in a nutshell. There's like, there's some tensions. There's different parts of the state and, and different kind of groupings feel different ways about this, but there's some excitement right now. And there's been a revival of, of bicycling as well. So there's starting to be this, Maybe new way of thinking uh, emerging, but I I don't know how thorough it is on like on the on the on the ground floor with people on the street yet. So would you guess that I mean maybe you know or maybe it's just your anecdotes, but would you say that the transportation authorities, either the state DOT or even within the city, are they still at a point where riding a bike is viewed as recreation as opposed to transportation, and they're they're viewing transportation really as equal to single occupant car? Depends on where you go. I live in the city of Detroit. A lot of, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Detroit has, I don't know how it compares to the rest of the country, but uh, when I lived in the suburbs versus living here now, I, I pay easily double uh, car insurance, what I did. We have very, very high car premiums in the city of Detroit. So uh, that's a very high barrier to people in the city owning cars. Um, so a lot of people do bike around here for transportation. It's interesting because there's been really like a multiracial kind of uh, biking movement started by like, I guess you could say by like critical mass and, and slow roll, especially um, where people are also biking recreationally. But yeah, there's a lot of people who bike to get to work. And, and honestly, like the, the bus system is, I mean, you know, I don't want it, it, to, it, it has its problems. It's difficult to use. For me, it's easier just to bike somewhere in the city if I want. But the further out you go, then I, the, the, I think outside of Detroit or outside of maybe these, maybe some of these communities where people can bike, uh, back and forth, it's 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 more recreational. An interesting thing. So so Mike Mike Duggan, the mayor of Detroit, uh, he was at uh, the Mackinac Conference, which is a, a yearly conference earlier this summer, where business leaders and political issues, uh, political leaders talk about you know issues affecting the state. And he he was actually pitching a plan where he wanted something called twenty minute neighborhoods, where uh, anyone you know kind of the plan is to develop these neighborhoods that people can bike or walk and get any needs they need outside of work you know, within 20 minutes of biking or walking. And, and it's kind of, they got a couple, they have three different sort of pilot communities they're working on, and it's something in progress. But uh, in terms of, like, vision, I think that, and in terms of creating a narrative around it, I think that's uh, creating some excitement for people who want to see biking as, uh, biking or walking or, or just, like, you know, walkability, you know, in, in the communities be something other than just, like, jargon, you know what I mean? There's always jargon that goes along with something, but that's, that's a great way to communicate with people who haven't grown up in city planning or haven't, you know, they're not professional engineers or planners or architects. That's, that's a great way to describe human scale design. 
you mentioned a bicycling sort of revival, uh, which is a perfect segue to my next question. One way to get more butts on bikes is to remind people how much fun bicycling is. I got to see part of the slow roll that you mentioned in Detroit. That was fantastic. And one way to remind people, just ordinary people, when I say ordinary, I mean those of us that don't own spandex or have mirrors on a helmet, you remind people about the fun of bicycling by organizing a group ride. And nothing intense like the commute to the office where you're maybe 15 or 20 miles away, but just casual rides with neighbors. And I know that you guys have been doing some of this. Um, a community ride takes a little planning, but certainly something that anyone could organize. So what are some practical tips based on what you've observed in Michigan? Okay. Well, I know ModeShift uh, had their own version of this, but I'm going to give you mine because I've been doing it for a while too. And it's just kind of off the top of my head right now is... um. First of all, you just want an, an organizer who's really excited. You want a promoter and someone who's really geeked about it. Like Jason Hall with Slow World does a fantastic job of that. He just always has his excitement around him. Um, you know, and, and in Critical Mass, I know that they, that they have people who plan it every, uh, you know, every month. And but there's like a, there's a, there's some people who are excited about it, and I think that's important. And people who are gonna, you know, also make sure it happens regularly. You know, kind of bottom line it so that it happens on a regular basis. And, you know, whether it's making a reminder call to your, you know, 10 friends or, or using social media, someone who's excited about it, okay? You want to know what kind, you really want to understand what kind of ride that you want to have because there's different kinds. Critical mass is, is a little bit anarchistic, right? You know, and it's kind of wild right. and willy-nilly. Then they have, um, there's a, a Metropolis uh, Bikes is a bike shop. They have like a fitness ride on uh, Mondays, you know, and they go really fast. You know, where slow roll, um, and I don't know if you got to see that. Did you get to see that for a little bit? Uh, I got to see some, yeah. My kind of ride. Okay. All ages, all backgrounds, kids, older folks, very, um, very casual pace. You're not going to be breaking a sweat unless it's really hot out, you know, and you're not going to be losing your breath. Um, so you want to know who the ride is for, you know, and that makes a lot of sense and give people some expectations. You also want to plan the route out, you know. You want to have a plan for the route where you want to go. Now, I know Slow Roll, they coordinate it with the police, uh, whereas Critical Mass, as I said, is pretty much like, you know, see their pants. I, I think there's just somebody in front, but he, they know the terrain, you know, that man. So you want to have a route. Um, you want to, I think safety is important. Um, I think having some rules, you know, Slow Roll, I think, does this really right where, like, you know, if there's a car behind you, you yell car back. If people are stopping, you'll still stop. If someone sees a hole, you know, almost like the like the Occupy People's Mic, people kind of shout it out, and it kind of goes down the line. People know what's coming up. Um, they also, like, the like Critical Mass and uh, Slow Roll, they have, uh, well, Critical Mass calls them corkers, and, and uh, 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 Slow Roll calls them squad, but they have people, you know, at the stoplights, you know, kind of just making sure the cars aren't running by, or if there is some tension with the cars, that they can kind of diffuse that, you know what I mean? And so people right. can get across and, and be safe without, like, cars not knowing what's going on and trying to jam across the intersection or something like that. So a little bit of all those things. And, and I think it also helps to have somebody with a toolkit around with an with a air pump and some patches and stuff like that. Um, just because uh, accidents do happen. And, you know, it's, it's no fun being stranded, you know what I mean? So right. all, those, all those kind of things, I think, go to having a good ride and, and just to have a good time and, and a lot of times people like to hang out maybe at a bar or at a restaurant afterwards and kind of just hang out after the ride, too. And that's, I think, part of the fun of it is just getting to meet people who are into something you're into. So I guess that that's my recipe anyway. I like that. I mean, it's generally uh, I've participated in several of these and people that are joining in usually are having a great time. But I think you, your first point is a great one that the the ringleader 
has to be enthusiastic about this thing. Like they can't, they can't just just happen to be a fitness expert who wants to get people on bikes and wants everybody to lose weight. It's got to be somebody. If it's in the slow roll example, somebody that wants their neighbors and friends and anybody else to join in that thing and love that thing so much that they're going to keep on it and make it happen. Otherwise, it'll fizzle. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, you don't want a bunch of gloomy people at, at a, when you're organizing a party, you know what I mean? And, and in some ways, it's That's kind right. of a party on the road. So, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. makes sense to have someone who's got that sense of, uh, you know, uh, just joy and, and fun and enthusiasm. I mean, it goes a long way anywhere, but especially in a bike ride where you're going to be going out, you know, and who knows, it may rain or, you know what I mean? All kinds of things can happen, but just to have people excited. Yeah, that's that's key. That's absolutely key. The gloomy group ride in cars is DC Metro traffic during rush hour. That's what that is. <laughs> they, they have their group ride. Yeah, I think I'm going to be busy that night. <laughs> you talk about these rides out in streets. I mean, we're not talking about parks. We're talking about open space uh, asphalt. Transportation experts have all the scientific tools, the engineering know-how to make streets safe and inviting for people but they don't do it. I mean, you talked about there are a few projects now where you're starting to see some protected bike lanes, which is great. But just broadly speaking, it's not happening very quickly. And usually the experts are claiming that so-called regular people want car-oriented engineering, that bicycle infrastructure is for an obscure fringe. And kind of like your point earlier, people people are driving long distances to get to work. And rather than considering that perhaps we've forced this situation on people where we force them out in the hinterlands where they have to drive in. Uh, the experts are, are taking this position that, well, because people have to drive, they will only always drive. So what strategies are you seeing either with mode shift, with working with them, or just um, in your other relationships? What strategies are you seeing or using yourself to persuade the average person that walk-friendly, bike-friendly streets are worth fighting for? I think it's a combination of things. So, like, first off, I mentioned the jargon before, you know, um, I mean, so in our writing, you know, we're trying to, like, talk to regular people who are experiencing these things, and, um, you know, if we're going to use the jargon, and, and sometimes we do use the jargon to explain it. Uh, I think another thing is, you know, we talk about safety, um, you know, if you have something like a traffic island or something like that, uh, do you know what a road diet is? Yes, but go ahead and explain it. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, so a road diet is, like, like I said, Detroit has a bunch of different lanes, to take out some of those lanes and maybe use them for parking or bike lanes or something like that, um, but or have an island, you know, in the middle or different things like that. So, um, you know, to take that jargon and like, you know, talk to real people and let them experience. And then, and, and as far as this infrastructure, you go to some place like Ferndale, um, you know, just just have people experience some of this stuff. They have, um, you know, they have green bike lanes that are painted. They have uh, bike parking in the in 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 the middle of the on the side of the street. You know, like stuff like that. I think people actually have to viscerally experience some of this and see it, and maybe if they visit someplace like Detroit and Ferndale and they see this happening, then it becomes a little more real to them, you know? I mean, if, if some engineer is just talking theoretically about something, honestly, some of this stuff's hard to kind of wrap your head around, but if you see and experience it, that's something. Um, and I think these bike rides or these walking events, um, you know, get people excited about it, and they all talk about it. Um, you know, uh, Jason Hall was telling me, from slow roll, he was telling me a while back that you know a lot of the, sh- the bike shop owners were seeing a big increase in the number of people buying bikes because everyone wanted to be part of this and at least try it once, and then they're biking around in their neighborhoods. So, so they get used to it. Um, 
So all that stuff kind of comes together. Um, you know, there's the open streets events that are starting to happen. There's going to be there was there's going to be one, some in Windsor and Detroit. Uh, happening. There's actually going to be a bike ferry, a test for a bike ferry between Windsor and Detroit, which Windsor's in Canada, during these these open, or at least it has been talked about during this open streets event, where they close down the streets and they have kind of like a street party in the street and it's open to walking and biking. So any anything where you can actually have people really experience this stuff firsthand and and see what it's like, that that's pretty key. And then also, like I said, the multimodal thing, right? BRT, which is bus rapid transit, these high speed buses that they're going to be putting into Detroit area that you know they have special signals that they get priority at the stop signals and they're spread out more so they go long distances so part of its BRT part of it's just just integrating our bus systems easier so it's easier to travel before them but uh, I, I think having a, a bus system is going to be key because then it, it you know you can put your bikes on the buses and get around you can walk around you know but have that kind of go between when you have to go long distances or maybe get to work well then it becomes like you know this holistic system and not just like a little cute thing here, a little cute thing there, but it's part of a system and part of a framework uh, uh, for understanding things. Once that happens here, I, I, Detroit's really far behind on, on like in terms of transportation, transportation infrastructure. But I think once we have like a a more functional uh, transit system that makes biking and walking appealing, because it's just it's less of a hassle for people, you know. I guess also like the, that twenty-minute neighborhood concept. I I I spent some time in Spain uh, when I was in college. It was a while back. And, uh, you know, like the neighborhoods really were like that. You could walk wherever you wanted and get your stuff. And, uh, you know, in the town I was in, uh, and, and, and the European cities just seem to be more like that. Now, U.S., were, the cities designed during the 20th century very much were designed for cars, or at least at least here places like Detroit or L.A., not so much maybe on the East Coast where they have subways and stuff. So I think that if we, ha if we have some kind of functional public transit system, you know, in our region, then it, it makes the other stuff a little more... Uh, <laughs> a little more easier for people to swallow, you know, as a, as a way of getting around and not just a, like a once in a while diversion. So I guess that's my thoughts on that. A couple things. So convenience, safety, and then this kind of holistic kind of outlook, I think are kind of important. I like that you guys are, are having open streets events and especially that, that issue of connecting Windsor and Detroit. I mean, that's always any, any border crossing is always going to uh, trouble some people. But that when I was there, I thought, man, this would be great if it, wasn't such a hassle to get a bicycle from downtown Detroit across the Detroit River over to Windsor. I could see it. I can, <laughs> I could see the other side, and I knew there was a uh, a new bike trail over there, but it just wasn't convenient. But I think you're right. Getting people out to experience something like that, they can walk around or bike around downtown when the streets are open, and they can they can look around at all this infrastructure and realize wow, we have so much space that we don't need all this sea of asphalt through downtown. That's just, it's already the public right of way. We can use this in a better way. Was there anything else burning on oh, your yeah. mind that you want to share? Well, you mentioned the, uh, you mentioned the biking across the board. I did a story a while back. Yeah. So the, the ferry thing is an idea. They're doing a test. They're kind of just testing how the waters on that, but there's also talk about maybe having a bike lane on the bridge the new bridge, the Gordie Howe Bridge, that's being built uh, between Windsor and Canada. So that's something people are excited about. And there's a bunch of different organizations, uh, you know, and even like local municipalities and stuff on both sides of the borders that are, ex that are excited about it. I know Detroit has kind of really gotten behind the biking thing. Um, you know, the Public Works Department and the mayor, uh, they're using it almost as a way to kind of sell, see what's happening in the city. There's all this energy, and we're trying to build this infrastructure. And they're, they're being kind of ambitious about it. And I think 
you know, in some ways, I think Detroit, you know, Detroit's in some ways like a cultural center for our region, as, as, as di dispersed as it is. And I think that people do look to Detroit um, to see what's happening for the region. And they see a lot of this biking stuff and also walking stuff like the Dick Windercut or the River Walk, which I, I don't know if you got a chance to see that. But the, did, uh, yeah. You know, a bunch of, uh, you know, organizations um, put a lot of effort into making a very beautiful river walk uh, so you can go walk along or bike along to see Canada. And, you know, that's very attractive. And the Dequinder Cut's very attractive. So people look at this kind of stuff in, in Detroit, which is sort of like, you know, like I said, a cultural kind of center for the region. And they get excited and visiting communities like Birmingham or Ferndale, they see this stuff happening and then they, they kind of get excited about it. And then maybe they can they can talk about this stuff with people where they are and it becomes almost more normal. You know what I mean? So um, I think, I think that's like a, that's important to have these kind of centers where like people are talking about this stuff and seeing kind of experiments happen to kind of get into the wider culture. And, you know, I guess we'll, we'll see how it turns out. I don't know. I don't think the, the day of the car is over <laughs> at this point, but <laughs> people are at least thinking about new directions and, um, and some of the stuff we're doing here, I think is helping them think about it. So. Well, I wish you luck with the continued rebellion. <laughs> Well, I'm just a journalist here. I'm just saying what's going on, but uh, you know, Viva, right? <laughs> hey, I, I won't tell if you're rebelling. You go ahead and put on the mask. I won't tell. Well, David, <laughs> David Sands, thanks for your well, time. You know, that's my, that's my job anyway. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Thanks so much for your time. If people want to connect with you online, what's the best way to find you? Uh, I'm on D Sands Detroit on Twitter. That's probably the best way. Um, All right, I'll be sure. Yeah, to put that's probably that the best way. <laughs> Yeah, come t tweet, tweet out to me and we'll talk. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please visit urbanismspeakeasy.com to sign up for news and podcast updates delivered right into your inbox. Totally free. <laughs>